Hey everyone, welcome back to the Gary V Audio Experience. I am your official podcast host, Dustin, not Justin. On today's episode of the podcast, Gary made a trip to Australia earlier this month, and while on that trip, he did a phone interview with the Australian newspaper where they discussed a lot about making content and why it's important for your business. So if you're in a business and you're not making any content, listen to today's podcast and maybe it'll change your mind. Enjoy. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Yeah, so, you know, obviously it's a four or five kind of city tour speaking wise and above and beyond that, um, consulting has become a big part of Vayner uh, landscape and there was an opportunity, you know, for me an opportunity to really maximize my time in the marketplace once I kind of understood that, um, you know, that it would expand over the weekend and go into Auckland when we go into New Zealand. Um, I, I tend not to be the kind of person who wants to take the weekend and sightsee. And, you know, for me, you know, business is sport, business is hobby, business is enjoyment. And um, I, I, I've really enjoyed the chapter of my career of, you know, con, you know, startup investing and helping businesses grow from whether it's HR or marketing or operations, three categories I quite enjoy. And, you know, uh, there was an opportunity to kind of put together a program in uh, multiple cities around that consulting uh, infrastructure and the ability for me to fly in executives from the Boehner universe um, into the markets. And so just kind of one of those serendipitous, um, you see an opportunity, you counter punch or react to it. And it, it felt like something I wanted to try out, so I'm super excited about it. Um, couple things, one, you know, it starts with content at scale. You know, I, I believe that the uh, opportunity in front of everybody right now um, in society and definitely in the Australian market, when I look at the landscape of Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and LinkedIn and Instagram, that most individuals and, and most businesses, call it 99%, are not producing enough content uh, for the opportunity that's in front of them. No matter what one's ambition is, whether it's to get into government or raise money for a nonprofit or to sell a bikini, um, I believe that communications is the way you accomplish those goals and I think we're living in a very special time uh, where the internet is at scale and, and really has penetrated our society and I believe that the written word, audio, and video uh, pieces of content at scale um, is a requirement to be relevant and to create growth. And so that is the drum that I'm beating. How do you make or where do you put the pictures, videos, and written words in which platforms, in what cadence, against what strategy? Um, and then how do you read the comments and get the feedback loops digitally, quantitatively, and qualitatively? And then, and then more importantly, during these speeches, I think that a lot of the audience has heard that from me for quite a while, which then leads me into why are people not posting? Which then leads into insecurity and judgment and mindset and macro human strategy, not just platform and content strategy. And so I take a very frothy mental approach and then a very tactical, practical approach um, and so I'm playing on both of the edges in, a, uh, in an ambitious 
in an ambition to get people to actually produce content on the internet. Content that brings value to the audience and, and content that brings value to the audience takes on many shapes. It could be informational, it could be educational, it could be entertainment, it could be escapism. Uh, you know, so, you know, what, depending on the business, you know, when I was in the wine business, that took the form of reviewing wine, tasting wine and giving my opinions, pro con, pro con or indifferent. Um, uh, you know, w- right now, as a business and marketing uh, communicator, I'm talking about tactics and opportunities and, um, and, and strategies on, on how to do it and examples. So whether it's an 84-page deck that I put out that flat out shows why you should start a podcast or a vlog and how that manifests into more content, or it might be, hey, take a look at TikTok. I think it's emerging and it's the first platform since Snapchat and Instagram that has the potential to become the establishment once it ages up from its youthful positioning. So, you know, you know, again, if you're if you're selling sneakers, are you talking about the, you know, virtues of what, how it helps you play basketball better, or are you talking about the fashion swag that comes along with you rocking a pair of a limited edition, you know, Air Force Ones? And so, you know, if you're a chiropractor, are you talking about you know, the the things to look out for. I, I think where people really struggle with content is it, it is often very selfish, which leads it to be a sales pitch, instead of being selfless, which which leads it to more editor. You know, I think marketing should look more like what you do for a living. It should have more of an editorial uh, DNA trait, but unfortunately, most of it has an infomercial DNA trait. It is difficult and I think, you know, that's why I talk about patience and long term and marathon. You know, oftentimes my frenetic high energy is mistaken with short term. I mean, if you know, if one transcribes the words out of my mouth, I'm I'm playing a marathon here and so, you know, it starts with patience. It starts with, you know, as a human, it's easier to say, "Hey, this is your life." invest and be patient. When you've got a publicly traded company like a lot of my clients, it's a little bit harder because you know they're being held accountable to every 90 days, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's just having the right conversations. It's auditing where one spends their money or time or energy and, and trying to put it into a more thoughtful place, a, a more high impact place. Um, but for me, you know, it's beating the same drum, you know? It's never wavering that long-term and value always win these games and, you know, for me, it's, it's you know, I think what resonates and maybe helps actually get people into action is, look, I'm trying to sheerly force it into the system. I'm using my, my communication style and my DNA to basically will uh, organizations and humans into considering it, trying it, and then remarkably, you know, I get emails of like, wait a minute, this actually works. Go figure, if you actually reply to the people that leave comments on your content, good things will happen. And so, um, it's quite a rewarding uh, feeling when you see people get results from some, you know, I, I always compare it to health and wellness. Like, you know, it'd be very easy for me to be a health and wellness communicator. Eat properly and work out every day or to the best of your ability, right? Like do the fundamentals. Um, But most people want diet pills or quick shot secret hack diets, right? And and that's just not something I believe in. And uh, and I, I communicate that maybe in a very contemporary style, maybe from a package that feels a little bit more alpha or even 
self-promotional, but I'm okay with that because the truth always wins in the end. We, we, we just had a massive success with Budweiser with the Dwayne Wade video for his retirement, um, which got you know an enormous amount of attention globally and ultimately drove beer sales in the markets where Dwayne Wade is relevant, like Chicago and Miami, and so that would be an example. Um, we're, we're having a... a it was it was something that people wanted to watch. You know what I think we have gotten very good at is instead of tactics or showing the logo in the first three seconds or having some hack, I actually think I'm a very old school creative. I think tell a great story and people will watch it. And even though it's three minutes on the internet and everybody tells you to do five seconds, you put out a meaningful piece of content that touches people's hearts and paints an authentic picture of a person that a lot of people know and miraculously hundreds of millions of people start watching it. I mean, I think great storytelling in the form of an incredible writer is something that never goes out of fashion regardless of the platform that they write on and how it changes. Let me, let me tell you how I build credibility, by not trying to sell people something in, it, in my posts, you know? Like, you know, it's not, it's not hard for Nike to build the credibility if they write an article about cross-training without mentioning their product. It's not hard. It's foreign. It's not how people are thinking today. But, you know, it's not difficult for a coconut drink to talk about, you know, health and wellness without mentioning its drink. They, they can. This is why I want them to hire journalists. You hire a marketer, she and he's gonna wanna sell. You hire a journalist, they're gonna not wanna sell out. But they're just not built to not sell. And you know, I almost think of it as romance instead of going in for the close. You know, like I, I think that I, I think a little patience goes a long way, and I think I think over time, people are going to uh, get there. I mean, Budweiser sold a lot of beer, um, but it came in the form of creating an incredible story about who Dwayne Wade was a, as a human being outside of who he was on the court. And I think that that is. You know, that is something that's gonna take some time for businesses to understand, but it is very clear to me that that is what is happening because the cynicism around marketing and being sold to at the scale that we've been sold to over the last 100 years has finally hit a tipping point because we have alternatives. We are not mandated to watch television without a remote control and then watching, you know, watching commercials. Like, the internet exists, like, you know, like, we have, we have alternatives and as businesses and companies and, and entrepreneurs, we're gonna have to adjust to the reality of our consumer's behavior. And so for me, if you're not bringing value in your picture, video, and, and audio piece of content, you're gonna fall out of favor. And I just think that, you know, look, there was a reason that advertorials were created. Somebody along the way, 150 years ago, probably realized, you know, if you're reading a newspaper, if you make the, the piece of paper a non-ad and you make it a little bit more seem like the newspaper, that may do well. But you know, television was, was funded and created by brands. The Lincoln Town Car Company started the Ed Sullivan Show. Soap operas were created by Procter & Gamble. Like, brands can do this. It's just we're coming out of an era where they weren't. Imagine if a bank took the approach of, you know what? Why don't we make all of our clients dramatically more financially literate? And if that actually costs us some short-term profits because we've been making money 
on them actually not being financially literate, long term, we can build such level of trust and audience attention that we can convert that into other opportunities. Uh, I couldn't be more bullish on that approach. If you, look on, if you look on the internet, the people that are over-indexing are bringing value, not selling, and then you see people who bring a lot of value and then start selling and they start declining from their audience. It's not a, it's not a complicated game. It's, it's very obvious. It just takes a proper cadence of balancing your own selfish needs as a business or a human with the selfish, selfless needs that you need to provide to actually build a community. It's a tightrope. It's a tightrope, but it's a very achievable tightrope. So we're opening up Singapore in the fall, and we have a very strong eye towards Australia. I'm a very, very big fan of this country for a lot of reasons. Um, We just, you know, we're a young company. We're only in year 10. I've really only been running it for seven years fully because at first I was pretty passive. I was in the wine business still with my dad, so my brother was running it more. So we're a very, very young company, but... um, there's 0.00% chance that we won't be here eventually and uh, the sooner the better for me because I'm a, I'm a big fan. We do creative and media under one roof at scale which is very unusual so that's one. And then number two, I just think there's no organization in the marketing field in the world that does post-production creative that is contextual to the platforms of the internet better than us. I don't believe that there is a shop out there in the world that understands how to make content for LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, podcasting, vlogging, better than us. I really believe that that is our craft and, uh, and I believe that is the emerging craft that brands need to play in and that puts us in a very good spot. So I started a direct consumer brand in the US called Empathy. Uh, which I'm really excited about, and only available from us directly at the winery, but I've always admired the Vina Mofo guys, and we've had a great relationship, and when they saw the announcement, they said, hey, we'd like to be the purveyor in Australia, New Zealand, and Singapore, and it was, it took a five-second conversation. I had so much trust and love for them, and so, you know, uh, you know, my, my hope is, what any winery's hope is, that you can get the product into as many hands as possible, and that they can taste it, and enjoy it so much that they want to be a recurring customer. So it, uh, it's really exciting to have the product here in this market. It's the, uh, uh, we just opened Canada, but for the first six months, it was the only market outside the US that we had it, and um, it's been a great partnership, and, uh, and I'm really uh, proud of it, and I, I'm a very big fan of the you know, MoFo guys. I'm a pretty substantial advocate, and was one of the loud voices in the late 90s in building up momentum for Australian wines in the US. Uh, and so um, I think Grenache does extremely well here. I'm, I'm just a, I'm a pretty big Australian wine fan. And I think over the last five to seven years, it's in a better place than it was prior to that because I do think the Robert Parker high alcohol over extracted fruit generation has calmed down a little bit. And I think in that balance, it's been able, uh, Australia's been able to show a little bit more of its terroir. I appreciate it, I'm gonna go to this other thing, but thank you so much. Take care. Thank you so much, bye-bye. Thanks guys for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. (laughs) Have a great day.